podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, public service announcement, our brand new listener show league, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. And it's pretty simple. All you got to do is sign up to our listener league. Check out the show notes, see the link, check out our Twitter feed, the pinned tweet. It'll take you to the DraftKings NC Show listener league. And each and every week, pick a team, your favorite players, Enter it into the league competitions and you can win all kinds of great prizes all through the season. We're giving away tickets to Broncos Jags at Wembley. We're giving away shirts of your favorite teams. We're giving away all kinds of good merch and plenty more besides each and every week through the season. You can play against some of your show faves. You'll definitely beat me. The Guru Sandrini will be a lot tougher to take on. Propo, somewhere in between. Ben Isis has got a team rolling as well. We're not going to get Mike in it, but because he hates fantasy, what are you going to do? So head on over, as I say, in the show notes, the Listener League. Uh, if you head on over to Twitter, it's the pin tweet there. And uh, get involved and have a lot of fun. 18 plus only. Check the website for details. BeGambleAware.org. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show. It's our week three preview show coming your way. All pro Phoebe Schechter in the house. And we have got a ton to get into. We're going to look at Bills, Dolphins. We're going to look at Brady versus Rogers. We're going to talk contenders in the AFC, the NFC and plenty more besides. Really can't wait to get into it. So without further ado, let's get down to business. And welcome back to the show, the terrific Phoebe Schechter. Phoebe, it's always good to see you. And congratulations, absolutely smashing it right now on Sky Sports. Nailing it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Tell us all about Her Huddle. I've seen Her Huddle just dropped in the last week or so. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this because there's really nothing else like this. I mean, even in the States, they did a bit of a Peacock episode mm. last year, but this is so exciting. We get to interview all these amazing women within the NFL Amy Trask to start us off. I wow. mean, that's huge, and and she's so inspirational. But this is definitely the the baby of of Hannah Wilkes and her her huddle team. I'm just I feel very lucky to be a part of it. That's brilliant. So that's over on Sky Sports. So go check that out. And of course, Phoebe every Sunday uh, with Jay Bell and Neil. Although we are getting you for talk sport for one of the London games, right? Yes, I'm so excited to be with you. I cannot wait. I mean, that was last year was my first time ever doing it. So wow. now I'm like, ah. <laughs> In the ascendancy, it's kind of Josh Allen-esque broadcast ascendancy for, <laughs> for Phoebe Schechter. Hey, that's a that's that's what I call a segue into, into your Buffalo Bills. So we're going to start with them. Hell of a game this weekend against Miami. Could be this early stage of proceedings. Are we getting, are we calling this an AFC East decider? <laughs> I mean, can we, go, <laughs> can, can we go ridiculous in week three of the NFL and call it that? I mean... I'm all for it right now, just because the way that Miami is utilizing those receivers. Mm. I mean, Waddle and Hill, their speed is undeniable. And and defenses really haven't been able to find a way to fully stop them for all four quarters. I mean, but once they get that ball in space, it's, it is so tough. I mean, they are just uh, Tyreek Hill, little peace sign. That is him. <laughs> you know, this, it, it's one of those things that you look at and you think, whether you're scheming, trying to stop it, whether you're a corner or a safety trying to stop it, you know it's coming. You can see it's coming, but it doesn't matter. There's nothing you can do about it. Are you in that mindset that particularly with McDaniel, who early doors has has already demonstrated that he's going to be scheming with intent and he's going to have all kinds of 
uh, tricks and angles to play with. So do you think they'll, they'll manage to stay ahead of the pack in that respect? Or is there a danger that defences will catch up to them as the season goes? Or does it not matter because they've got such burner speed anyway that even if they do know what they're going to do, they just won't be able to stop it? Yeah, you know, it's a really good point because last week watching the game, I'm like, nobody is actually really, they're too afraid to press Tyreek at the line, for example, because they're worried he's just going to embarrass him, run by him. But the opposite to that is they were just letting him run a 40-yard, essentially. And right. I don't want to be in a race. I don't think many people want to be in a race doing a 40-yard <laughs> against him. Anyone does, so, yeah. Yeah. So you have, to, you have to double bracket him. You have to slow him down somehow. So I think there's an element of McDaniel's a really brilliant offensive-minded guy. You know, we've seen him be able to scheme it. If I'm being completely honest, I know that people are going to say I'm a Tua hater. I'm not a Tua hater. Mm. I just, I feel like, yes, that was one of Tua's best games, but I still don't love his throwing action. Mm. I still don't think that he is the guy necessarily. I think he's a quarterback who will get you through it. You know, I have not seen him spark like that. Mm. I think it was really his receivers. I mean, there were still times... Tyreek is stood there waiting for the football. Mm-hmm. And if you play against some better defenses, that could be a really dangerous situation. Yeah, this is it, right? The, you've, you, you've nailed it. I think there's Tua's maybe one of the most polarizing quarterbacks in, in the NFL right now because there's a lot of Tua, uh, Tua apologists and Tua uh, supporters that have been, from the get-go, uh, willing him on and saying he's the real deal equally for different reasons. You know, the injury didn't help. The, the slightly fractious start to his career in Miami didn't help but even after this game greatest game of his career so far uh six touchdowns in a situation like that when you have a young quarterback that's masterminded a six touchdown comeback win against the Ravens we'd be in if it was Herbert we'd be anointing oh he is now he's elite this is this is his breakthrough game but Tua hasn't received that level of plaudit it's okay well it's his best game so far but Gesicki made a great catch. He's got Hill and Waddle at burning it up. The Baltimore secondary was banged up. So it feels like he's still got work to do to convince people. So what you're on, you're on the fence with him, or do you think that his ceiling is that kind of is it we're talking about Garoppolo earlier this week? You know, Garoppolo, the the best of the rest kind of quarterback, a cut cousins zone where you you just don't have that Lamar or Mahomes X factor, but you can be uh, a solid kind of 10th, 11th, 12th in the NFL. Is that where you see two as ceiling? Yeah, and, and which is unfortunate because I never want to put a ceiling on somebody, but you, you brought up Herbert. I mean, looking mm. at the differences between the two players, two is a guy that really needs to be able to just throw the ball to, like, it's really timing for him, right? He needs to get the ball whilst that guy's in motion to give him those yards after catch. That's his biggest strength, I'd say, is the ability to be the, for the timing. But Herbert, you know, a guy that can effortless I think that's the biggest thing, right? Effortlessly mm. make mm. that ball fly. And you watch Tua, and it feels labored every time he throws the football. Mm. And he's only young. I know he's coming off of a lot of injuries, really. But he doesn't have that, like you're saying, X-factor piece. So I think he becomes a almost not – I mean, you're still NFL. You're not just bang average. But yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> you still made it to an extent. Yeah. Don't worry, Tua. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is it. You were talking, you look at, we were talking about Chase Daniel the other day, and you're thinking, oh, you know, God, are they going to have to lean on Chase Daniel, the Chargers, this weekend? And you're thinking, Chase Daniel's an, inc- I mean, an unbelievable athlete, but he's this, this disparaging terms. But I guess that's part of the part of the gig, I guess, when you're in that, in that space and so much attention on you. So offensively, for the time being anyway, 
thing things cooking for for Miami. Defense is that is that the ultimate problem for them if they want to be credible uh, Super Bowl contenders? Yeah, I mean, we say all year long, defense wins championships, and they're going to really have to find a way to take care of some of those holes in their defense if they're going to be real contenders, especially looking at that division. I mean, it's it's still not an easy division. I know that they've had this kind of hold over the Patriots and continue to have that hold of the Patriots, but, you know, they're going to have to go up to New England later in the year where it's colder. Mm. I think that makes a big difference when you're not playing in beautiful, warm Miami heat. <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> you know, so that's going to change it. Um I mean, goodness, watching the Jets last weekend, they had some big moments and situational moments, two minutes left in the game. You know, all these crazy NFL games are coming down to way more than just offense, defense, it's special teams. It's, do you know what the situation is? How can we take advantage of it? And you can't rely on, at the end of the day, your two real offensive players on offense mm. to be the guys that are going to help you out when defense – are able, you know, they're letting points in almost every time. It's not going to be enough, is it? In particularly against a team like Buffalo. So let's, let's talk about your Bills. And right now, and again, we've got to be cautious about making sweeping bold statements after such a small sample size of games. But it does, seem, <laughs> it does seem clear, though. I don't know if you agree. But it seems to me really clear that there's the Bills, there's the Chiefs. And there's everybody else. And I don't just mean based on what we've seen from the first two weeks, but projecting forwards, it feels like those two teams, issues with with uh, of all kinds in Tampa, Green Bay will be fine, but they've, you know, they've, they've got concerns as well. The Rams, Ditto over there. And then in, in the AFC, there are a number of teams that we figured uh, were, uh, the Ravens, I guess, most notably, not that they're in any kind of danger. They're not they're going to be there in the mix when it comes to the crunch. But right now, it feels as though the most cohesive and complete teams are the Bills and the Chiefs. Do you agree? I do agree. And I think that's mainly due to consistency. You know, we look at the, we're not just basing off the first two games, but looking at how they both ended last year. Right. I think there were some of the teams that were able to pick up where they left off and, and almost better than that, which we normally look at these first three, four games in the NFL and we think, oh gosh, this is kind of trash at times. <laughs> yeah, we, sure. You know, because fundamentally you know you're missing you drop drop catches missed tackles you know those are what we're normally highlighting mm. whereas I mean the fact that that Mahomes has nine different targets mm. I mean that just goes to say wow this guy <laughs> he doesn't just need one person he's able to like really get that ball around same with Buffalo I mean they've had a few different targets I know Diggs is still the main guy mm. but they feel complete across all three phases and again that is what's going to be that's what makes those top teams great it, it's such a good point you know Shane Vereen was on the show last week saying it's logical that players and therefore teams are sluggish and you've got to blow the rust off early doors in the season because a lot of them haven't played since January and and whatever you say about preseason it's nowhere near the same the reality of you go time and and that's maybe what's made Buffalo and, and Kansas City their starts to the season so extraordinary is that they just haven't missed a step that it seem almost flawless performances certainly offensively for Buffalo so let's let's talk about that and you mentioned Diggs 270 yards four touchdowns in two games what is it because it's been like this from day one pretty much what is it about the the relationship the dynamic between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs that's so special why do they work so well as a as a quarterback and receiver tandem I guess you could compare it to Jamar Chase and Joe Burrows I mean they're they're best friends I think that already mm. helps 
You know, I'd imagine you're the same way with your best friend. You just kind of know what they're thinking before they even say it. Say it, right. And it seems, yeah, it seems to be that same dynamic. I think Josh is also a really great leader. So when Diggs came to Buffalo, he was a big part of getting Stefan, you know, a part of that culture because he also came from the Vikings where it was very different to how Buffalo operate. And it, mm. it wasn't exactly smooth for Stefan. And, and Josh played a really big role in that. And, you know, that's the first sign of a really great leader. And, and just off the back of that, they're like two goofy best friends now. And they mm. just have a really good feel for each other. And Josh trusts him. He trusts Stefan to make these unbelievable catches, which we see him do time and time again. You know, that that's a really interesting point, the the personal relationship, because it's not just true in sports. You see it in, you know, in, in music, in, in showbiz, in, in business full stop. You can have a very successful dynamic and a successful tag team, but it's strictly business, right? <laughs> that's what it's all about. Yet when you see connections that extend beyond that, so there are exceptions to this rule that you can be as effective even if you don't get on, but particularly in sports. And, and again, particularly that quarterback receiver tandem, whether it's familiarity from college, you think about, and it hasn't sparked yet, but you think about the potential with Carr and Adams in Vegas. There's just that that suggestion that because there is this simpatico, because they get on, because they uh, they they click, that there is... A, um, there's a comfort and a, and a, and a naturalness to, to the dynamic. So that's really interesting. I hadn't considered that, that with Alan and Diggs, they're, yeah, they're just tight. They just roll well. So that makes a huge amount of sense. What else would this Buffalo team, Phoebes, have you seen um, that has particularly impressed you? The fact that they have hit the ground running, so, been so dominant in the first two games. With the Rams, the Rams opener was extraordinary, just how much they they controlled that game in the second half in, in, in particular. Who has really stood out for you what has really stood out for you early doors for the bills i think it still continues to be josh's growth uh his his ability to now control the game make decisions let you know when he makes a mistake or or it's a poor ball which you know we don't really see happen often but when that happens he just kind of goldfish moments it right he just on mm. to the next one he doesn't take it to heart but I'd say Vaughn Miller has been an unbelievable addition to this team. I think on the field, you can't deny it, right? I mean, it just allows that defense to play to an even higher level. I mean, because now you're looking at with a guy like Vaughn Miller who just gets after the quarterback, it changes what you can do as a defense. It changes your the amount of time you have to actually cover as a DB, which now you're thinking those, that safety tandem of Poyer and Hyde they get to play a little bit more free because they know that Miller's going to get there or mm. may at least make the quarterback make an errant throw. And and now you've got, you know, what is it, seven picks amongst the first two games? I mean, that's that's unbelievable. Mm. It is. It, it's, it, we saw it as well, I guess, to an extent in Vegas, in Vegas, in LA, what Miller brought on the field, but also what he brings off the field. And how instrumental is that to this Bills organization who have been knocking on the door, being contenders for... A couple of years, but start of the season, I guess, uncharacteristically as as favorites, right? That's that's kind of new territory for them. But then you get a guy like Miller that's been there, done it, won it. How important is that in the locker room? What do you imagine? Maybe what do you know? Is he in terms of how he's handling that role as a seasoned vet that's a champion, that's instilling belief in his in his new teammates that they can go all the way? Yeah, and it's great to be around a guy that's been there, done that. You know, it, it it's just the energy and the, the what he brings to the team, those intangible skills, 
you know, he loves that he's able to help others and build them up. And, you know, whether you're a starter alongside him or you're a brand new rookie to the team, he wants to be there. And for him, he knows that's his role. He wants to bring that leadership piece. And, you know, McDermott, Brandon Bean, they always wanted to have guys in there that have that kind of veteran leadership role. You know, they had Kyle Williams back in the day, then Lorenzo Alexander. They always have that, you know, Frank Gore after that. They've Mm. always had that kind of guy. And that's now Von Miller because if you actually look at the players that Buffalo have, those guys were all pretty much drafted within the, you know, they're all guys that they've drafted homegrown, so to speak. Mm. But I mean, Tremaine Edmonds, Travis White, Josh Allen, those guys were all in the same draft group, Deion Dawkins. So they're kids yeah. in the sense of it, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, and again, the cohesion as well, something we've talked about a lot with, the faith and the long play, the long game that that the Bills have have played with Allen in particular, but but just generally the and with McDermott of course as well that they've given him time to to build this and there is the this sense of cohesion and unity and uh, and growth as a result of that, which is which is so exciting to see. It must be so rewarding for you to see as well, behaving so close to the organization, so close to so many of those guys. Yeah, I mean it's just amazing because I, I think I say it time and time again, but like to know what that instant goal was from way back in 2017 when coach McDermott joined the Bills and see them actually fulfilling all of their goals and living to be who they said they were going to be. I mean, that is, that is just amazing. It's heartwarming really to watch them on the field. And, you know, it's great. I got to do um, a chat with Deion Dawkins the other week and, you know, seeing him again and just seeing how he's grown as a, as mm. a player, as a person on and off the field and, yeah, I, mean, I feel very fortunate to be a part of the organization and still have such close ties to them. I feel like I'm, I'm still, you know, Buffalo still has my heart. <laughs> still part of the family. Um, so tough, tough game for them against uh, Miami. Of course, given everything we said about how dangerous Miami are, but it'll be a shock if if Buffalo don't win this at home, won't it? Yeah, Miami's always a funny place because there's always this like aggressive nature that comes between the Bills and Miami, and I think mm. that's. You know, just being in the same division, uh, there's been multiple fights over the years when <laughs> Buffalo tends to go down there. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited for this. I think it's a real opportunity for Josh and the offense to kind of pick apart or at least pick on Miami's defense. Mm. It'll be interesting. I know Micah Hyde is, is injured a little bit with a neck injury. So what that actually means, if he's going to play or not, um, because that'll be one of the first games. I think they've played... Him and Poyer played 78 consecutive games together. Mm. So what that looks like if he's not playing, um, you know, how how they handle, again, Hill and Waddle, because that speed is unreal. You know, testing those rookie corners out. Kair Alam had a great game the other day, but he's not played against speed like this. Yeah. Not many people have. This is level up big time. Uh, yeah. Oh, I can't wait for it. I can't wait as well for, for different reasons given their respective starts of the season, but obviously the uh, undeniability of Tampa Bay, Green Bay, uh, and another Brady-Rogers clash. I mean, they've had, both had curious starts of the season given their lofty lofty standards. So much chat about Brady, and I don't want to go anywhere near that, that kind of hype around Brady and what's happening off the field. I'm interested on the field, what you've made of the Buck start to the season. Defense, as we expected, it's got that speed, it's got that cut and edge. Uh, uh, and yet the offense has banged up with Godwin obviously being injured, uh, has has failed to really find its groove yet. 
what have you made of the of the Bucks' offensive start to the season? Is it kind of as you expected with those injuries, the changes on the offensive line, everything we said at the top about it takes a few weeks to kind of get in your groove, or is there maybe a more endemic concern for Tampa Bay looking at it? I think some of it is definitely the injuries. I mean, Godwin just allows for Brady to be able to open up Evans. We know Evans takes a little bit of time to kind of get on that role and build that consistency. Um you know, I, he looked like he was on a roll. Uh, looked like he was on a roll, <laughs> roll last, last week. Getting, we were we were speculating on it. if if they did. Did you see the Lev Bell Adrian Peterson exhibition fight? Right. So if, yes. Oh my gosh. If it was Evans Lattimore, would I mean Evans would be the heavy favorite, wouldn't he? But I don't know. I reckon Lattimore would be sneaky dangerous, like the sucker punch. <laughs> exactly. I feel like Evans is so he's just a big man, isn't he? Like right. long and everything. He just jab you all right. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like Lattimore would be a bit more like little Jack Russell-y and he'd be like yeah. in there and like. <laughs> Scrappy do. And if Scrappy it was do. <laughs> WWE, Lattimore would hide something underneath the ring and just kind of wheel out. He'd, he'd reach for the steel chair <laughs> when Evans wasn't looking. He'd play foul, I reckon. Exactly. So Evans, yeah, I, I, he's definitely been mixing it up and on point in that respect. But yeah, on the field, there's yet yeah, not not up to his prolific standards. So that that's an issue too. So do you think everyone needs to call their Jets with with the Bucks start to the season offensively, and it will it will come good? Yeah, it, it, it they, you have to because it's Tom Brady at the helm, right? He will help to get things right. I mean, I know we saw him get frustrated. The Saints always seem to have his number, and for the first time in four games now he was able to kind of pull that back I think the use of Le'Veon Bell at first the Saints defense were able to slow him down pretty much stop him Mm. but then he just he just got away with it uh you know people might look and say well is it because Tom Brady missed some of training camp with that you know those 11 days have been a key piece I mean they probably would have been just in terms of consistency but he's still a professional he's still going to be there all the time yeah that's a good uh, point and thought about yeah. that so not for for Bray like who, who cares if someone uh, of his standard misses 11 days but it's, it's everyone else that's that's the point right that they need to be getting on the on the page right? particularly with the demands that he has so I hadn't really looked at it that way that it's the 11 days it's I'd always said oh, who cares that Brady missed 11 days he's going to be fine but it's it's everybody else that's affected by it yeah, and, and even just being around his work ethic, he holds people to a higher standard than really most people do. And, and you know, I know one of the conversations now is with him getting these veteran Wednesdays mm. missing. So they said that he's just going to be missing the first and second down plays. So mm. he'll still be able to get the timing on the third down plays. But, I mean, Wednesday is probably the biggest day when you are practicing because that's where you get the highest reps. You're in pads. You get to you know, do all this like great work. Mm. How does that work when that's your, your real day of practice of, all, of the three of them? <laughs> yeah, that is a great point. The incidentally, we're giving Mike uh, Wednesdays off <laughs> on the show. Just to be, he's getting, actually Mike's asked for veteran Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays as well, but hey, Carson, so, so we're going to let him do that. Um, I, I, it's really interesting spinning this to Rogers and, uh, and the Packers and asking, I guess the same question that, everyone gets frenzied and wild and all oh, particularly after week one when i think everybody forgot how easily they were shellacked week one last season and he went on to become <laughs> mvp so let's but it, we knew that this packers team defensively was going to ball we knew that that uh there was enough talent around rogers alongside rogers you know in, in particular with the ground game uh for the and the line although the line has been banged up for them to be dangerous but there was always this asterisk has he got enough depth with the receiving core, does it matter when it's Aaron Rodgers who can 
spin gold pretty much out of out of everything. Do you reckon that they will look to make some kind of move? Beckham, of course, is the most notable free agent on the market. Though it looks like the Giants and and, and Beckham could well be reunited there. We're recording this Thursday morning, so that could well be locked in by the time we've released. Uh, there are other options on the market. They could make a play as well for for somebody already attached. Do you think they'll look at doing that? Do you think they'll get to, I don't know, week nine, week 10, they're in contention, the North's very winnable, but they're thinking we're still missing this. Or do you see that Rogers can get the upside from this young and untested receiving court uh, and the, there's every chance they'll be fine? I'm keen to see what happens this weekend against the Bucks. I think mm. because week one, I mean, we saw Rogers' frustration. He really didn't have many options in terms of who to pass to. And with Rodgers, once he doesn't trust you, he won't even throw you the ball. So multiple multiple times we saw Rodgers have an open receiver, but he didn't trust it. So he'd rather just throw it away. Mm. You know, and and once that first pass was dropped, he was like, nope, not going back to you. That's your opportunity gone. Mm -hmm. So I think last weekend, having Lazard back just opens up a lot. They can move the receivers around. Um, you know, he got Cobb the ball a couple of times. They used the running game. You know, mm. Dylan had a great game. So they were going off in that. I think it's still early. I want to see what at least a couple games in the run, having their receivers back together. Mm. But I think in the meantime, those rookie receivers are going to be having to work their butts off to earn Rogers' trust again because he's just not going to throw you the ball, and he does not care. I think he said a quote something like, I uh, – I care about production, not, you know, the other stuff. Yeah. Who would you be more mortified about dropping a ball from? Bearing in mind that he mashed up the surface on Sunday, Brady or, or Rogers. Again. I mean, because that, yeah, again, that could, you could get a tablet thrown at you or you get that withering look. Or oh, mind you, Brady's pretty decent at the withering look too, isn't he? So yeah. I don't know. Is that, is that, is that a pick him or is there one that you think, oh God, oh no. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I would rather I'd be more bothered by dropping a ball from Rogers mm. because he won't give you another chance. Where's Brady? He'll he'll at least think maybe down the road. Okay, I'll give you a little one here. One Rogers more, like, yeah. oh, you're open. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather throw yeah. the ball away. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Where are you with the NFC generally? Then we talked about the 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 top two teams right now, and uh, fairly clearly being the the Bills and the Chiefs and the AFC. The NFC we knew is always going to be more congested anyway, but it, particularly so, right? So who do you see making a, a good run of it? Who's in contention right now based on what you've seen so far? So ridiculously, my Super Bowl pick, obviously having no clue, hmm. were, were the Eagles. The Eagles. Oh, that's looking the up. Things are looking <laughs> up. Yeah, a lot of people like the big on the Eagles though. And, and things are looking up because the clear shortcoming there I guess with Jalen, the same points you made yeah. at the top of the show about tour is that the, is that the same kind of problem that there's talent around him, but he's got a ceiling and uh, and yeah, he seems to be so well. It's a mixed bag so far, but certainly uh, certainly against the Vikes, he was rolling and and they let him roll. But he he is definitely surpassing those critical expectations, right? So yeah, that's on the, the Eagles are on. I think is the definite. So that's looking good. Who else is in that mix? <laughs> um. I think, I mean, you, you can't deny the Buccaneers. Mm. Uh, I think they're, you know, they will only continue to get better. Um, 
I really like the San Francisco 49ers defense, mm. which is making me, I mean, that whole situation now is so interesting between, I mean, I don't know if you saw, I have never seen someone cheese in as badly as Jimmy G was when he went back <laughs> on. He's like, Jimmy, I mean, we—it's it's, uh, so many emotions about that. So really thrilled for Jimmy G, right? Because yeah. there's there must be nothing worse, I guess, and and require that that composure and poise. And you're a consummate pro that you've lost your team. They brought in this young gun. That the reason they brought him in, it's not like he is a year away from retirement or in his fight, you know, final year. He, we're bringing him in because we think he's ultimately going to be better than you. <laughs> you've got to take it. <laughs> You don't get dealt, and that was bad luck, I guess, because the injury to to agree as well. But you don't because you got to st- sit there, stand there, be a pro, have his back, and yeah, it's, that's your team, and those are your mates, and and it's no longer your team. So good, good on him that he's rolled in and nailed it, and I, milk it for all he can. I I think that he there's only obviously so much that can fundamentally change from his mechanics, but I wonder whether psychologically. This is a brilliant situation for for the 49ers because I think Garoppolo might just play with a bit more abandon and a bit looser and just a bit, this is a free hit. And that's his vibe anyway, right? You might think, well, hey, this is roll, let's go. And, and they could really get that mojo. But then the flip side of all this, Phoebs, is I felt a bit weird that Trey Lance had just had, a, I mean, it's a horrible injury as well, right? It was ugly and bad. And it seemed like he was forgotten pretty quickly. And everyone was like, hey, Jimmy's back. <laughs> so what, about, what about the kid who just twisted his ankle? We don't know where he's going to go. So yeah, mixed emotions, I think, there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think you hit it on the, hit the nail on the head there. Because one of the things that had been a conversation before this happened the other day was actually people in the locker room were saying, we want Jimmy back. And mm. now you get Jimmy back. What does that actually mean for the culture within the team? Because mm. Jimmy is going to run with this as he should do as the as the starting quarterback. But it makes that job of Trey Lance trying to win and earn the respect of his teammates so much harder, and it kind of puts him on the back foot. Because I feel like obviously there's no data to any of this, but I yeah. feel like Jimmy G obviously loves that he's he's the guy right now, um, and I feel like part of him is like I'm not gonna. I'm going to make sure that I I keep that locker room, which mm. is a really dangerous place for the team to be at. Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, we're working with um, Christian Scotland-Williamson on, on Sunday. He's going to be part of our, our crew on uh, a talk sport during the London Games as well, all pro crew. And we weren't talking about the 49ers here because it hadn't happened, but it was the Steelers, uh, obviously, with with his uh, association with, with Pittsburgh. And the whole Trubisky, Pittsburgh fans are already calling for Kenny Pickett because he's a hometown guy as well. And Trubisky is, look, he's one of those uh, fair or not maligned players that you, no one really has a huge amount of faith in. But there are people in the locker room that do have faith in him. Right? There are people that he's got his guys in the locker room. He is the starter. I mean, unless he's completely stinking up the joint, you're going to have at least a faction, if not the, the majority of the locker room on your side, right? So I was talking to Christian about that dynamic where, and we've seen it a few times where, You've got this young gun in waiting. The, the the veteran's got the spot. He's maybe not convincing. And what that creates in a locker room culture. So as you say, all of this was happening in San Francisco anyway. And now it's had this slide indoors moment. It's amazing how football works, isn't it? You think about, um, you know, Bledsoe hadn't been hit by Mo Walker in the way he was. Would Brady have been the GOAT? Would Brady have ever got a shot at, at, at the incredible career he's had or... Uh, Dak Prescott's another one as well, right? That hit that Romo took. 
I remember at the yeah. time when Prescott got, uh, when Romo got hit, they were saying, oh, you know, this he'll be he'll be back. He'll be back next week. And then suddenly, oh, he's not back next week. And and Prescott, you know, parlays that into, a, you know, a, a really successful career. Just the fine margins and sliding door moments. I mean, the, obviously, Hope Lance comes back and uh, and becomes a, a, a top tier NFL starter. But there's every chance that we could this could be a Josh Rosen kind of thing where, you know, we just never, never see or hear from him again because of the situation. Right. It's desperately sad. But let's hope for the positive on that. Do you think it makes the 49ers a more viable Super Bowl contender? I actually think it does because of that psychological piece that you were speaking about with Jimmy G. He's got mm. that. He has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. You couldn't interact in training camp at all. You had to be over there by yourself. Now you still had the locker room after that. He's come in and we've seen him taking shots downfield that potentially he would not have taken before, but because he's kind of got nothing to lose right now and he's yeah. getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I think whatever happens. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if, uh, well, I guess if they, if he takes him to the Super Bowl and there's, there's a long way to go there, but he takes him all the way, wins it, they they'll roll with him going forward, certainly, right? But if he get, let's just say more realistically, he gets to divisional round, you you know, even just even just gets to the playoffs, keeps him good, plays well, he's just rolled himself into a big bucks deal elsewhere, right? So and maybe maybe in Tennessee, let's go there. Titans Raiders next because Ryan Tannehill is definitely on the hot seat. I mean, they've got. They've got Malik there, who they who came in for a bit last week, and but by all accounts not ready yet, ready to start. So that was more of um, of a warning shot. Sandrini said on our FFS show, it's basically Frable saying, "Okay, Ryan, here we go. You've really got to you really got to move, otherwise we're going to yank you." The Titans and the Raiders both zero and two. Which team are you more concerned about? Because whoever loses this one, it's ooh, that's a big hole to get out of playoff wise, isn't it? I think I'm I'm more worried about the Titans right now, mainly because Buffalo did a thing where they were able to shut down Derrick Henry. And mm-hmm. I know we, they didn't have Derrick Henry last year for quite some, you know, quite a few games, but other teams are going to look at what Buffalo did versus Derrick Henry because he barely had any yards. Yeah. I think they ended up getting like eight TFLs against them. And, you know, Tannehill, he wasn't able to help them. But I'd say even more so like, our coordinators weren't able to get them out of that hole there, you know? And and I think that's more concerning. They mm. weren't able to adjust. There was they, they still felt quite suffocated. I mean, they came back in the second half with a little bit of juice, but you could see the blatant frustration on Tannehill's face. And, you know, if you look at Malik Willis and what he offers, he has legs and he has speed. Mm. So that's really promising for the future. So at some point, obviously not now, because we're only two weeks in, but at some point, it'll be really interesting Interesting to see what they choose to do with Tannehill mm. if they do end up using Willis more because of, you know, looking at the rest of the league, you've now got a bunch of quarterbacks who are pass threats and run threats. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the trend yeah. with quarterbacks right now. Absolutely. It's a great point. You know, you think about uh, those, uh, I guess, unreconstructed players, you've got to be absolutely and which title to be fair has been for a, for a number of years in in Tennessee absolutely composed high completion rate really strong organizational uh, managing the clock well managing the 2 minute drills well and and just all round poise and i kind of feel as well though that with Tannehill and the Titans have it's a bit of a loaded deck you know depleted receiving core and i guess Traylon Burke stepping up could could be 
the key to them getting out of this jam. But it, it feels more than ever now. It's if Derek Henry doesn't go, as you say, that they basically don't have a plan B. Uh, and that's a difficult situation. The line's not helping him either, right? Or helping either of them. No. What about the Raiders? I'm, I'm curious to get your take on what the atmosphere in the organization would be like in the immediate aftermath of, of that, that just unbelievable defeat against Arizona. I mean, it, it, that must be soul destroying to, to go through something like that. Yeah, I mean, that was probably the wildest really? <laughs> over time. I mean, even just that whole fourth quarter getting to that point. I mean, I had, I had watched, I think, through to the second half a little bit, went to bed thinking, oh, this is done. It's done, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that is definitely a bit soul-destroying in, in terms of, <laughs> you know, not being able to stop them and not having that kind of ability to cover. But mm. – Kyler Moore, Kyler Murray made so much of that happen with his legs and extending the play. I mean, my goodness, that two-point conversion was 21 seconds. You, there is no way you can cover for that long. <laughs> I mean, that's the I mean, the most ridiculous of all. And I guess spins it uh unduly positively for the for the uh for the cards, because it's on the one hand, I guess if you glass half full, you're saying, oh, we've got a quarterback that can do this. But I mean, how often is that? going to happen it's it's papering it's his un- sensational skill that's papering over the cracks the flip side with the raiders is they're going to be i mean pouring over that thinking how the hell do we let this happen how did this happen so who needs to win this game more do you think it, in terms of their you're more worried about the titans but i guess divisionally it's more it's wider open in the north than in the west i mean the raiders got zero and three in the west i mean forget about it they're gonna that's they're done right yeah i mean they're in such a hard division there i mean Looking at who you've got with the Chiefs, the Chargers, I mean, you can't really look at the Broncos. That's its own issue. Yeah. But, you know, they. I think they're in a worse off position. The, the thing that makes it poor for the Cardinals is that everyone's just gone and signed these big deals, mm. you know, with with um, Cliff Kingsbury and, mm. uh, you know, the GM and all them. And I think that's more there what makes them poor. But for the Raiders, you know, bringing Devontae Adams in, that's a massive signing and that should be an easy win, essentially. I mean, look what, what Rodgers was able to do with Devontae. He pretty much carried mm. Green Bay. Uh, and then, you know, I think looking at how their organization's done and all the issues they've had over the past few years, well, hey, mm. you've got a clean slate. We've given you weapons. I mean, you are pretty much loaded. Mm. So why aren't you able to do something with this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, um, I feel the Raiders are going to gonna roll here and i still think i mean the west is fascinating i think the, I mean, you mentioned the broncos i want to get your take on that i think i think they're gonna be fine i think they are the um right now almost the, the blueprint the prototype of everybody wildly overreacting so we talked about this in the edge rush show propo and i recorded edge rush a bit earlier this week uh and that but that's dropping after you're listening to this so uh We've got kind of space time continuum mashup here, but <laughs> you can, obviously we talked about this and that, but even though you haven't heard it yet, we we talked about the the Broncos and there was a really interesting article on the athletic about, uh, there were two things that really jumped out. Obviously everyone's getting really frustrated. I understand so about Hackett and his um, procrastination and his indecision. I think that's a great example of he's a brand new head coach with a brand new quarterback, albeit a veteran. It's week two. Everybody just 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 chill out a bit. This will this will be fine. 
But what was more worrying for me was the point made in the, in this piece in the Athletic, and I, and I can't remember the journal off the top of my head, but I name check him on on edge rush. There were there have been five occasions where the Broncos have had fourth down inside uh, their opponent's half this season, and not once has he backed Russ to, to get it done. That really surprised me. Having said that, I think that is a, exactly the kind of trend that will um, will balance itself out over time. Uh, there's too much talent there. I think the Broncos are going to be fine. I think they are maybe the the one team, whether it's good or bad, the Dolphins are going to the Super Bowl or uh, the Broncos are done. I think that's the take right now that is the biggest overreaction. What about you? Do you, are you with me on that, Phoebes? Or do you think actually mm, not so fast, Nat? That is, there's a lot going wrong here. Um, I'm, I think the relationship between Hackett and Russell Wilson has to improve. I mean, just watching the way they interact, they don't look like best friends, essentially. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't have that rapport with each other yet that I, I want to, like you pointed out, you have to trust your quarterback, your pro veteran quarterback, yeah. to be able to to take it, right? You have to trust him to be able to get it done on fourth and one. And if you're not trusting him, then what are you doing bringing him to this organization? Yeah. Uh, and you're right. I think they'll get the kinks out in terms of situational awareness. And, and mm. Hackett can, can also surround himself with, you know, probably more experts in that field. It seems like he's not able to – as quickly make those decisions. He's mm. not quite got that experience yet. So perhaps bringing in somebody to to help him with that. That's a great but, point, you know, because just, just on that, I heard a quote he gave this week where he said he feels there are too many voices in his in his ear right now. Um mm-hmm. and maybe that's the issue. Maybe he because of his lack of conviction, because he's a new and this is this is my point, uh, uh I guess that he's a new head coach. So give him a bit of time, you know, it's gonna take a bit of time for that adjustment. I don't know time is something you don't have much of in the NFL. And, you know, this is why you've got the big gig. You just got to step up, but it's logical that there are going to be moments when he doesn't make the record, particularly if, he, if, if he's a bit nervous about that and therefore is, is listening to too many people. And that's what creates this kind of rabbit in the headlights. I don't know what to do. And yeah, so it's a great idea to have just one clear, this is situationally, this is what we're doing and let him, let that person make the call for him. Yeah, and, and you want someone that's an expert, right? Just because you're a head coach doesn't mean that you know everything. Mm-hmm. Ideally, if I, if me or you were a head coach, I'm going to bring in experts in their field. I'm going to bring in an expert in you know defensive scheme or offensive or situational awareness. I don't have to know everything. I can be really good at managing people and, and managing the people that are around me, and I want to pull from them. So you know some of the greats that I know, and I know Brian Gable is the same way, mm. Sean McDermott, they have someone who's, specific to situations and that just makes it a very clear it's this or it's this choose <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i would definitely i would definitely do that i think in i would probably look i might i think i think j bell will make a good offensive coordinator i mean i know he's uh i know he's i know he's always played on the other side of the ball but i just think he'd have that i think i think he would always go for a fourth down wherever he was, yep. <laughs> was on the field <laughs> and i'd want that energy around me one more for you before we let you go uh Phoebe's. The Rams playing the Cardinals, playing Kyler and Co. Uh, this weekend. Following the theme, I guess, of, of, of the show, with the Rams, unduly worried about what you expected. They're going to be fine. It's not going to be the same. Where are you sitting with the Rams season? I think coming off the back of a Super Bowl, you always have that, as people term, hangover. Mm. You know, it's really hard to be great back to back to back. And 
I think as an NFL team, you constantly have to reinvent yourself. I think I think Coach McVay is is young and he's able to see that. I think last week's game, the biggest difference for me was the the actual use of Cooper Cup. I mm. think that you know he was able to actually get the ball, get yards after catch. He was able to you know do some great things, which Buffalo kind of shut down before. Um, I mean, you still have an unbelievable defense. I think the loss of Von Miller is still present, but I mean, gosh, you've still got, you know, Jalen Ramsey and Bobby Wagner and, yeah. and Aaron Donald. You've got amazing, amazing, talented guys. Um, I think you know who you have in Stafford. He's going to throw you a couple of interceptions every now and then, uh, but he seems to be able to overcome that. You know, I don't know if they're – if they're firing on all cylinders. And even if we look at the Super Bowl game last year, mm. they weren't really winning until that fourth quarter. Right. You, you know, it was a game of at that point who made fewer mistakes. So I don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl contender again this year, but I still think they're going to be better than the Cardinals. Yeah, God, God. I mean, the Cardinals, we could have spent a whole episode on them, couldn't we? Phoebe, brilliant stuff. It's, it's always a pleasure catching up with you. Uh, congrats and, again on everything that you're rolling with. Can't wait to work with you. Uh, and of course, Phoebe on NFL Sundays on Sky Sports, her huddle. Uh, we will put a link to her social in the show notes as well. So go give her a follow at an NT Show Bump. Great to see you. Look after yourself. You too. Thank you. Lovely stuff from Phoebe. She'll be back. You can guarantee that we're doing, as we said on the show, live games together. Part of the TalkSport crew, Phoebe, Christian Scott and Williamson is going to be alongside me for those. Ollie Wilson, Will Gavin in the house as well. They're propo. Calling the shots there as well. He is talking global domination. So we're going to be live on TalkSport for all three of the NFL London games. Cannot wait for that. In terms of week three, goodness coming your way. Uh, well, the guru Sandrini getting his set for daily fantasy over on FFS, that's dropped. Edge Rush coming soon as well. Keep your eyes peeled for me and Propo. More week three previews of both of those shows, quite frankly. So get involved. With FFS, we've got our, our listener league. If you if you haven't yet, sign up for that. Uh, lots of different daily fantasy competitions in our listener league. We'll uh, whack the link in the show notes. It's also pinned on Twitter. Uh, pushing stuff out on Facebook, Insta, still no TikTok. Uh, lots of good prizes, including if you haven't heard about this already, you can win tickets, hospitality tickets, no less, to Broncos Jags at Wembley later on in the season. Week four competition. So whoever wins our free-to-enter league, uh, free-to-enter contest, rather, in our in our listener league, week four gets the tickets. Simple as. So get involved with that. Go click the link. Have a lot of fun. We will be back with Edge Rush. See you soon. Bye for now. Podcast Network.